the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. Kettering, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and you should, I want to invite your attention to Genesis chapter 4. We'll begin our reading at verse 8. The word of the Lord reads, Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Would you pray with me this morning, Father in heaven? We honor you today. We thank you for your grace and your kindness, your love, your patience with us. And even now, Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would be in our midst. Father, that you would preach through these lips of clay and through this willing heart a word, God, that would lift someone up out of the muck and the miry clay, save someone's soul, deliver them from the grips of hell today, God. I pray that you would restore the broken fellowship that one or more may have today, that they might return in relationship to you, God, and run back to the love that they once had and shared. Spirit of the Lord, I pray an encouragement to those that are discouraged. I pray wisdom to those that are lacking. Father, I pray that your word would accomplish what you set it forth to do. Father, allow us to be self-examining and allow the word to cut us from the bottom to the top, to heal us, to challenge us, to correct us, to admonish us. Have your way, God, in all that is done and all that is said, and I will give your name all of the glory and all of the praise and all the honor. For you alone are worthy of it now. Use me, God, as I stand prepared as a vessel in your hand. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This series that we've been working our way through, we began this series, The Standards of the Steward. In Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 3, we spoke there from the subject matter, the baseline of stewardship. Then we move to Leviticus chapter 27. We dealt with the absolute restrictions of stewardship. Last week when we were together, we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 6. We spoke there from the idea of body stewardship. We looked at the stewardship that God has given us over these bodies we live in, these bodies that he calls the temple of God, where God dwells. And we learned there that we are to, first of all, respect the body, Second of all, to refrain from defiling the body. And then thirdly, remember that we will be held accountable for the stewardship of the body. This morning, as we look at this story, very familiar story it is of Cain and Abel. 
we come to this place in the point of the Bible where Cain has actually him having what I call a failed stewardship. Uh, and in his failed stewardship to give to God what God was justly due, he, he's at odds with his brother. He has some little jealousy going on because his brother did what was right and he did what wasn't. And so God chastises him, and upon his chastisement, Cain takes the opportunity and occasion after casually communicating with his brother to get him out into the field and then kill him. And God shows up after him killing his brother in the field, and God asks of him to give account for the stewardship that he had. Where's your brother? Cain acts like some of us when we get caught, and he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Is it my responsibility to keep up with him? And his response leads us into our subject matter for this morning. I want to talk to us on this morning from the subject matter, stewards of humanity. Now, as I dig into this passage, I want to examine our stewardships that we have as responsibility towards one another. I'm going to look at three areas where I believe that we have some responsibility of stewardship towards one another. I'm going to look at the area of brotherly stewardship. I want to look at the area of parental stewardship. And then I want to look at the area of of spousal stewardship. The first area I want to examine is brotherly stewardship, which really covers the whole plethora. It's the broad brush, and then I'll come back and narrow it down. Cain, in verse 8, talks with his brother Abel, came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against him and he killed him. Cain is entrusted with his brother and everything and everyone belongs to God. Cain kills God's child and his own brother. If I could preach this on the streets this morning, I would open up the understanding of these deprived people who are running around shooting up the streets of D.C., Maryland, and Virginia as if we are living in the wild, wild west. And I would remind them that the people that you are shooting at belong to God. And... (laughs) And there is some responsibility that we have between each other. It doesn't matter how mad you get at them. It doesn't matter how they dished you. It doesn't matter whether they gave what was right and you didn't or not. Should we really go to the extreme of violating our stewardship of one another by killing each other? I I don't think so. So Cain kills God's child. And when Cain is asked about it, Cain lies to God. And then he asks God, he says to God, who do you think I am? Ain't ain't my day to watch him? That's my version of the story. This is how we would probably say it. He says it in a very more, 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 um, you know, professional kind of upright way. Um, Am I my brother's keeper? Which basically means, am I supposed to be watching him? Am, am, am I responsible for him? Am I his steward? 
It's, it's a rhetorical question, but it's a question that he thought would help him get off the hook, and it doesn't. Because God clearly responds and helps him to know that the answer to your question, Cain, is yes. You are responsible for him, and his blood is calling out to me because of what you've done. You're responsible for him. And as we grab that up out of the text, it helps us to understand that we have some responsibility for our brothers, not just biological brothers, but our brothers and our sisters. We have, we're, we're connected. And, and throughout scripture, we are, we are inundated. I mean, I, there's, there's tons and tons and tons and tons of verses in scripture that help us to understand that we have responsibility to one another. We are told to love one another. Matter of fact, that is the one, that is the greatest of the command. Love one another. Pray for one another. Do good to each other. Bear each other's burdens. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 we're told there that we have even been given gifts to serve each other. I know you don't I don't really want to take care of you. I don't, I don't want to be responsible for you. And for some of us that grew up with younger siblings we had enough of that. As your brother in Christ, I'm looking out for you because I'm responsible for you. Y'all still here? Because there is a brotherly responsibility that I have. It, it seems clear that we have this connection and we have this accountability to which we're not always comfortable with uh, embracing. But the scripture that also gives us the clarity that we are responsible to look out for and take care of each other also warns us of judgments that come if we don't. Judgments such as millstones around the neck, lack of forgiveness from God, you know, being viewed as heathens and unbelievers for not doing for our own, stuff like that. So as I examine the scripture, it seems real clear to me that there is a brotherly responsibility that we have in humanity for each other. And Cain violates it by killing his brother. I want to address parental stewardship. Psalm 127. Verse 3, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from God or from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So are children the children of one's youth. And happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. For they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies at the gate. Children are a blessing from God. Sometimes we need to go back to that scripture and remind ourselves. Even after they grow up, Psalm 127. We, we've, we've got responsibility, um, scripture says, to train them and to release them. I've got to deal with both of those pieces. 
Children are designed to be shaped, molded, and released. Did y'all hear that? No warrior shapes his arrow, sharpens his arrow, prepares his arrow, puts feathers in his arrow, makes sure his arrow is straight, and then does not release it. I'm talking to y'all parents that still got your kids living with you that's 30, 40, 50, 60. The plan of God in our stewardship is to release them. Listen, and, and if, Lord God help me, if you have a plan to release them in a certain amount of time, you need to start preparing them for release when they first arrive. And when you release them, watch this, the stewardship of shaping them, you now have to trust your preparation. In other words, after I release them, I don't have to go following them and ask them, did you make your bed up this morning? I released you. I prepared you. I shaped you. I trained you to do that. So now once I release you, I trust you. Because I trust the preparation. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit down or in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and... They shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Parents, we, we, we train them in the word. We prepare them in the word. We sharpen them. We equip them to send them out and release them. Proverbs chapter 22, y'all all know this one, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way that they should do what? To Go. So I'm training you to go. I'm preparing you to leave. Like arrows in a warrior's quiver. I'm I'm a steward. But the steward has to release the arrows. Y'all still here with me? So we've got to train them and we've got to release them. And and we're encouraged to train them. Train them up in the way they should go. Train them in the ways of God and the will of God. Train them by the word of God so they will know how to live, how to serve God, how to reflect the image of God. We've got to do all of that. But also we have to discipline them. Proverbs 23, 13 and 14 says, Don't withhold correction from your child. If you beat him, he will not die. So, in other words, the correction won't kill them. You have to correct your children. All right, y'all still here? <laughs> Proverbs twenty nine seventeen says, correct your son and he will give delight to your soul. We've got to correct our children. I'm sorry, we just have to. They need correcting. They cannot be left unchecked. We're responsible. Parents, we are responsible for these little people who are developmentally growing into adults. Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who spares the rod hates his son. 
But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Sometimes in the correction process of raising and rearing our children, it's going to hurt their feelings. And that's part of the correction process. But it's better to hurt their feelings now than for them to be in major trouble later. It is for the purpose of shaping them to be like God. That I am responsible for you. I am a steward over you. I love you. So even my correction is for love's purpose. It's not for my anger. Now this is what we, I, I, this is, here's, here's another point of, of lesson that for all y'all to listening. Don't discipline when you are angry. If you gotta, if you gotta take a time out before you discipline, you go sit in the corner and count to ten. So you know, because if I get you right now, it's gonna be terrible. Okay, go sit in the corner. You are not ready to start disciplining. As parents, we have the responsibility to raise them, rear them, train them, shape them, release them, but also discipline them. Cain doesn't respect his stewardship. Kills his brother that belongs to God. As parents, we need to also understand that we are responsible for our children, but as children... First Timothy says we're responsible for our parents. Because see, the stewardship don't just end. Those who are truly widows, you got to take care of them. First Timothy chapter 5. Take care of those who are truly widows. In other words, those who really need to be helped. Because he says some of those are going to go back and get married and they still can get married, have children, have somebody else take care of them, have a husband, all that kind of stuff. But he says those who are truly married, those, those are the ones you take care of. And then he says this. He says, and he who does not take care of his own family is worse than an unbeliever. So what Timothy is really dealing with is how to take care of the parent who can't take care of themselves. And he lays the weight of responsibility on the children. So now as children, we've got to steward our parents when they can't take care of themselves. You see how this whole stewardship thing is ongoing. We do not escape the, the occasional opportunity to be taking care of each other. And he says, if we don't do that, we're viewed as worse than an unbeliever. Because an unbeliever doesn't care to take care of their parents. But as a believer, you surely have the obligation and responsibility to steward them. We've got to do it. And, and guess what? Can I say this? It's not always convenient. It's not always financially easy. It can be tough. Here's one thing I think might help you. While you're going through helping your parents when they get to that place where they cannot help themselves, remember all that they did to help you. And for those of you who cannot calculate out, you can't figure out well, what they do. Well, never around. They, they are, were responsible for you coming into the world. And even if your mom was wicked and, you know, whatever, terrible, whatever, she carried you. 
for eight, nine months. She, she went through all the stuff she went through for whatever time it was. She put her life in jeopardy to bring you into the world. So scripture lets us know we have the stewardship responsibility parentally, brotherly, but finally, and I'm out of your way, spousal stewardship. First Corinthians 7 says that spouses have responsibility for each other's bodies. And as such, we are to render to each other according to the affection, according to what is due to one another. We're responsible for each other's bodies. We got to steward each other in that regard. And Ephesians lays it out for us. Husbands, you got to love your wives. Like Christ loved the church, like you love your body, like you love yourself. That's in Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, you got to submit to your husbands. I know you don't like the word. It doesn't mean you lose who you are. It doesn't mean you become less of a woman. It doesn't mean you a doormat. It doesn't mean you got to do everything he says. No, it means you voluntarily are following him as he follows Christ. That's what it is. But you, you're, you're to submit yourselves unto your husband as unto the Lord, as your service. That's that, that's that phrase means, as unto the Lord. It means as your service to God. That's the way you serve God is by submitting to your husband. I'm preaching right now. And so, therefore, he says, then, therefore, go ahead and respect your husband. Whoa, why, why, why should, I, should I respect him? Because I'm serving him unto God. I'm getting, I'm getting credits in heaven for how I'm submitting to you. And so I'm going to respect you because I respect God who trusted me to be your wife. Uh, God has entrusted you into my care. God has entrusted me to take care of you. God has entrusted me to respect you. God has entrusted me as a husband to love my wife. He's entrusted me to care for my wife. He's entrusted me to mirror the way he loves his church. God trusted me to love a woman the way he loves his church. Come on somebody somebody ought to say amen thank you God for even trusting me with that kind of stewardship so we have this responsibility in marriage to look out for each other pastor you said we're responsible for we got this brotherly stewardship we got to look out for everybody we got to look for our children we got to look out for our parents we got now we got to look for our spouses who gonna look out for me I'm glad you asked that question God sent his only begotten that he might steward you You and I were a mess. We were laden in sin. We were on our way to hell. But Jesus came through 42 generations to come and die for you and for me. Because he wanted to hear his father say, well done. When they whipped him, he didn't open his mouth. Why? Because he was being a good steward over you and me. While we were still sinners, he died for you and he died for me. He shed his precious blood just to prove how great a steward he would be for you and me. And since he was accountable for us, he paid for our sin. Oh, help me, God. Even if we don't want to receive it, he paid the bill anyhow. When he died, he didn't just die for us up in the church. He died for those who have not yet and some who will never accept him. He died for all. When he shed his blood, he shed it for everybody because he was responsible for us all. Then he went into the grave, and y'all know the story on the third day. Got up with all power in his hand. Somebody said, well, the story's over then. No, it's not. He ascended to glory, and he's sitting on the right hand of God, making intercession, stewarding you from glory. So when he asked us to steward one another in the stewardship of humanity, The greatest steward of all the humanity is Jesus himself. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry 
of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together. And we invite you to join us in person for one of our spirit-filled worship services, Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Legacy Center, located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, or virtually via our website, Facebook, and YouTube. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.